Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barn. That's right. We are Wagering Week. We have a huge show for you today. I want to hear from you. It's 855 the number 4 G A R T E N. Facebook and Twitter. It's Sports Garden. G A R T E N. iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is how you get in touch with us. Guys, it's a baseball show. I can tell you. That I nailed Oral Roberts on the money line twice. Yeah, I did. That was fantastic. I can tell you I hit Syracuse. Oh, yeah, we did that. I can tell you I went 9-3 and three on the opening weekend of basketball. Well, the sports books, underdogs went 24-15 against the spread. 16 outright upsets Friday, Saturday, and, uh, and Sunday. Man, oh, sports books cleaned up. I can tell you all about my Atlantic City trip, which was fantastic. But, no, we're talking baseball today, and I'm welcoming him. Chuck T is going to join us. He is our Roto-Mill fantasy expert. We're going to talk everything in fantasy, even daily fantasy. Make you some money there. And, of course, I know you have your drafts coming up, so you want to take a listen. But then, later on in the show, Carlos Baerga is going to join us. What an interesting perspective he has because, look, he was a star in Cleveland, middle infielder that went to the New York Mets. Francisco Lindor, that's the big off-season story here. Star in Cleveland, middle infielder, just went to the Mets. We are talking baseball. Baseball's on the mind. Stitches, right? You got the red stitches on my mind. But I don't, you know, I got it on my mind. I think, I think our next guest actually had it tattooed on his forehead because that's how much he's been missing baseball. It is our Roto Mill fantasy expert, Chuck T. Chuck, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Tom. Good to be back. I am telling you, man, I am pumped up. We are only days away from opening day, and I love opening day uh, as much in baseball, I would say even more in baseball than any other sport. For some reason, and I know we all love football, for some reason, baseball, when it starts to come back, I feel like I haven't had it in a year. You know, I, I feel like baseball is the longest offseason ever, and I know it's football, but maybe it's just because, you know what, I, I get involved in football, I enjoy my summer, I'm in the pool, I'm at barbecues, and baseball, I'm going through dreary January and February, let's be honest, even December's dreary, right? So now baseball's on the way. Every year for the last, uh, I mean, you know, five, six, seven years, I knew a couple of things. I knew when baseball opening day was going to be there. I knew there was going to be aces on the mound on opening day. And I knew in my fantasy draft, if I get the number one overall pick, I'm taking Mike Trout. I mean, that, that, that that's it. It is what it is, Chuck. This is the way that we go. Um, Maybe not this year. You know, again, the stolen bases for Mike Trout have dropped down into the 10 to 15 range. And that's really where the value has completely sunk. Um, there You have some fantastic superstars under age 25 in the game right now, and they are logical choices to pick when you've got a guy stealing 40 bases like Acuna is. And that that's the displacement. It's very clear. So let's talk about number one overall. I will tell you right now, I'm going Mike Trout. I like consistency. I see this, and we, we've had this conversation about football on the air, right? In our Roto Mill uh, you know, war room, we've talked about this off the air, where I'm a guy that I don't want to lose my draft in the first round. And if I, at the end of the year, if I draft the guy number one and he finishes at three or four, I'm fine with that as opposed to drafting a guy number one and he doesn't finish inside the top 20. So I'm going with Mike Trout, but there's an argument for Acuna. There's an argument for Tatis. There's an argument for Soto. I mean, you can make some arguments here. I want to hear some arguments. Well, how... Wh- 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 where are you with Mookie Betts actually officially displacing Trout, period, anyway? As not far, even as, close. As not far, even close. The best right-handed bat season since DiMaggio for Mookie Betts in 2018. It's just phenomenal. He's there. He's got 30 steals in the bank for you. He'll hit you 30 homers. He's in a great lineup. They have unlimited resources with the Dodgers. He's got a ton of guys to drive in. The lineup... It's a it, it's just a little bit different. There's more run opportunities, I think, with Betts. Betts, to me, is the clear number one, and I think that's been true since 2019. And I won't take Betts before the top seven, and you could argue that he should be outside of the top ten, and here's why. Here's my argument why. I, I want to give you a couple of reasons here. Boogie Betts, great player, nothing against him, right? Dodger Stadium's a huge 
place to play. San Diego's a huge place to play. San Francisco's a huge place to play. Uh, so you're getting three big stadiums, okay? Uh, I also worry about the health of Mookie Betts. He a smaller guy. He he gets these ailments. He doesn't get massive injuries. He gets these ailments. The Dodgers, by Vegas's terms, are supposed to win 105 games this year, right? Well, Mookie Betts isn't feeling great. You know what? Sit down. Who cares? Take a couple of days off here and there. That's the thing for me. This seems like uh, I'm, we're nitpicking, but we are nitpicking. I would make an argument that of the first 10 picks, you could go 1 to 10 and say every one of them could be the number one overall pick. Since we're arguing Trout and Betts, you know people screaming at their radios, what about Ronald Acuna? For me, it's a little bit down. I don't even know if he's – look, he's the best fantasy option on that team, but I don't think he's the best option on that team. I mean, Freddie Freeman's the guy. Um I don't expect Acuna to run like that just because they might not need him to run like that and don't run us out of an inning kind of thing. That's why I don't have Acuna there. Soto, I love Soto. I absolutely think that this guy, he's going to be in the next two or three years maybe the best hitter in the game. I mean, he is fantastic. Doesn't steal worth a lick. So when you're talking about steals, and Tatis can't can't stay healthy. I think that's a terrible contract what they gave him. I, I you know I will talk to Carlos Baerga about that later on in the show. I can't stand that contract at all. So there's where I am with the guys that that are kind of one, two, three, four, five in most people's minds. Uh, do the rundown and tell me what you think. Of those five guys, the one guy that can put up a 440 on base percentage for you is Mike Trout unmistakable if you're in an on-base percentage counting league that's got to be a priority for you if that that but that it's just it's almost as good with bets bets regularly gets in his on-base into the 400 range soto looks like the same player you don't get that with acuna so acuna we're going to nitpick here amongst our top five acuna has that against him i think that on base is not going to be elite because he's got to hit 330 to put up that type of on base and that's not something that we can get regularly used to seeing another name though that maybe enters the equation the running is off a little bit but trey turner's hitting last year to hit a new high he hit 338 last year it's a big factor this is a great bat he's 27 years old he's in his prime this is this is a guy that can that can get into the conversation at the lower end i don't think he can be considered number 1 at all unless positional scarcity means something to you there's no other shortstop that's playing quite like him uh that's where i come off on on him but again with on base percentage trout's the one name on that list that can put up a 440 on base percentage and that is elite and i'm taking trey turner in every roto league over mookie betts I'm doing it tomorrow. I know that stolen bases fell off. Last year, if you remember, I took him for the MVP of the league. Now, I was getting ridiculous odds. I had like something like 40 to 1 odds, but I, I loved his skill set. I thought that he was going to have to be the guy to pick it up for, for Bryce Harper. And I look at right now, you look at a guy that could potentially steal not 30, not 40, 50 plus. It's him. If he ever puts it together, you're talking about a 300 hitter, 120 runs. 85 RBIs, 50 steals, 25 bombs. He's the number one overall pick. I would take a shot at him. The other guy I want to mention is a guy that's been on my dynasty team since I drafted him when he was in the minor leagues. I'm in one of these leagues, right? I could make a compelling argument, or I could have, I should say, uh, for Trevor Story. Now, Arenado leaving worries me. The fact that Story might be traded in the middle of the season. But I love the fact that he was third in the league at steals last year. He is a we know no matter what Trevor Story this year, he's going 30 20, 30 25. I mean, he's a consistent guy. And what I I love when they talked to him about uh Nolan Arenado leaving and he said we're going to be a lot more aggressive on the base pass, which by the way Tapia is a guy I want to mention, but he's we're going to be a lot more aggressive on the base pass. He said I know this team needs me as a leader and they asked him his personal goals. And he said, I'd love to steal 50. He didn't talk about the homers. He didn't talk about the batting average. He didn't say, I want to improve on defense. He said, I want to steal 50. Yeah, he's uh, he's th- the speed is the most overlooked aspect of his game. It kind of caught everybody a little bit off guard because he wasn't putting up that amazing stolen base totals in the minors when he was, when he was there. But again, um, a player that, at least for me, in my dynasty league, 
I sold him short. I didn't have him as this 50-steel guy. He's a lock for 35. And with their outlook for this year, the fact that they're going to need to manufacture more runs, uh, yeah, he, he definitely is a player that is absolutely a player that has got to He's got to come in at the top five for everyone automatically. And if you don't have him at five, you're selling him short. Uh, we just sat around and mentioned about eight guys that could go number one overall, right? I mean, that that's what we did here. Um, so we got about a minute to go before the break, and I, I want to get into maybe the two guys inside the top ten that we didn't mention. I said we we mentioned about eight guys. I got two that we'll, we'll talk about after the break. But I do want to mention something because we are talking about uh, head-to-head rotisserie and, and whatnot as far as daily fantasy as well. A steals guy is way more crucial in a rotisserie league than a head-to-head. When you're talking about steals, you want to compile the numbers. It's a compiling over the course of the season. You go get yourself a 50-steal Alberto Mondesi or a 50-steal Trevor Story. The leader of the league probably only has 100, okay, for the entire team. Maybe not even. So it helps out in Roto. Head-to-head, week-to-week, you get a steal from Yadier Molina and win the league that week. I mean, you know, that is reality. So it's much more vital. These guys that we're talking about with huge steals numbers, much more vital in a steals league, in a roto league, than they are in head-to-head. Head-to-head, you could discount them a little bit. All right, let's take our time out. Like I said, when we get back, there's two guys inside the top ten we didn't mention. We'll be back with lots more right after this. This is two-time Super Bowl champion Ike Taylor, and you are listening to Wagering Week. We already have an argument about who's going number one off the air. He's telling me, but bets, I, I got Trout. And we might both be wrong. We might both be wrong, right? But I do feel safe about those two that at least they'll be inside the top five. The next two guys are, if you're a contrarian player in fantasy, guys, the next two guys are contrarian plays. But I kind of get it. I think there could be two more arguments for that number one overall, at least inside the top ten. Garrett Cole. And Jacob deGrom. In a year, Chuck, where starting pitching is going to be crucial and innings are going to be something that nobody seems to be paying attention to, but you really have to because we had the shortened season, Cole and deGrom stand out in front of everybody else. I know Cole came over. He had a little problem with the long ball early on. Once he got settled in, it looked like Garrett Cole of old. He's got a huge team behind him. The wins will be there. We know the strikeouts will be there. Garrett Cole seems safe to me. I agree with that in general. I have a small comment about the innings increase concerns. I think they're a little overblown. I love to run contrary to conventional wisdom. And with everyone, this is different than, let's say, 1994 when they went out on strike and they didn't finish the season. This one, they started the season late. Everyone was humming in September. Their arms were stretched out to 125 pitch performances. It's more of a normal offseason that I think they've had than what they would have had in 1994 going into 95 where you come off a strike year and then you didn't pitch after the summer. You know, after July, you weren't pitching. So that that to me is a little different. But with Cole, absolutely, this guy, I'm putting in the bank 24 quality starts. And for me as a daily fantasy sports player, that's huge because when I get the quality start, I get three points for that. And that is that, that just becomes, it's almost as valuable as the win. And, you, you know, again, wins can be a tough luck situation sometimes, but the quality start is a great stat for that reason. And I'm going to get 24 of them, more than any other pitcher. DeGrom, just amazing. Uh, how does this guy keep putting two more miles an hour on his fastball every year? He is hitting 1.9 miles per hour faster than he was a year ago. It just it defies description. He's amazing. Let's let's talk about that because I want to have a little bit of a, a of an argument with you because I, I am the guy that is leading the charge where innings mean everything this year. But let me explain why. I don't mind the the, the 125. You know, I, I think I think a lot of guys are going to do that. Let me just throw a couple names out at you. You Darvish doesn't go 150 innings on the year. Blake Snell doesn't go 150 innings on the year. Uh, Sixto Sanchez's guy doesn't go 150 innings on the year. Walker Bueller probably won't hit more than 150 innings. A lot of the young up-and-coming talent are guys that, yeah, they'll get their games in. Daily Fantasy, you couldn't be more right. But over the course of his long season, I know Cole's putting in 200 innings. I know DeGrom's putting in 200 innings. I know a guy like that we were just talking about, Kyle Hendricks, going to put in 200 innings. It's a rarity in today's game anyway. 
And now you look at the rarity in today's game anyway, and you go, wait a minute. Some of the superstars, some of the U Darvishes, some of the Blake Snells of the world, everyone's going crazy for Bueller, Kershaw. None of these guys are hitting 200 innings. That's why he's starting pitching. And if you're a Roto League and you need the inning, to me, it means a little bit more. Yeah, you know, also when you get these frail-bodied guys, and I, Walker Bueller is a thin guy. He, This is not his original ulnar collateral ligament he's pitching with either. He's already had Tommy John surgery. But I can contrast him with another guy that's had Tommy John surgery too right out of high school. The guy that's a big dude is Lucas Giolito. Giolito, to me, bank on him. He's going to throw 220 innings this year. I don't see anything standing in his way. He's a big boy. He, he's It's an Eli Manning versus Ben Roethlisberger thing for me when I talk about Bueller versus Giolito. That, that type of big-bodied right-hander that can dial it up to 97 at will and can hit 99 in the eighth inning still and dig down and find those extra two miles per hour, that type of guy I think is unaffected by this this uh, innings usage concern. And again, teams will hold back their players. I'm just a little concerned that this is the conventional wisdom. You don't hear anyone saying the opposite, and that always makes me a little bit leery. Uh, you know, Chuck, we're going to have uh, Carlos Baeger on the show in a little while, and he might be screaming, what are you guys talking about Cole DeGrom for? Bieber's the best pitcher in baseball. Now, I'm going to disagree with him, and I'll give you my argument against Bieber. Uh, he lost Francisco Lindor. Number one, that takes away from the lineup. Number two, he lost one of the best defensive shortstops in the league. And their ideas maybe play Jimenez, who who's kind of came up. Maybe he was going to be a shortstop. Maybe he was going to be a second baseman. I think that's a big knock. I also worry about this Cleveland Indians team as a whole, their mentality, their mindset, losing their star like Lindor, having it way over them that they also lost Carrasco. They also lost Kluber. Um, these guys, in at least in the pitcher's clubhouse, they, they were probably an influence. It probably, you know, is going to affect him mentally in some way. On a sheer stuff level, I like Bieber. But I also go to the statistics. And over the last two years, where Justin, well, a year and a half, we'll count in 2020 as a year and a half, over the last year and a half where Shane Bieber's looked fantastic. Fantastic, right? Most of his starts, if you look at his dominant starts, have come against Detroit and Kansas City. Now, he plays them again, right? So, I mean, he plays them again. But I'm a little cautious about that. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, the, th the interesting thing, you and I sit there and we take a look at the first round and we come up with eight names before we even mention these three guys, right? So now I'm at 11. And I'm thinking, if a name other than these three pitchers sneaks in, someone takes a look at uh, putting in Jose Ramirez. We didn't talk about him at all. We didn't talk about, uh, you know, uh, story until the mid-round, right? So, again, a couple guys maybe drop. You're in a snake draft, okay? You might be able to get two of these three guys. And if you do that, you might win your league. Because this dominance is a clear cut above. Maybe Giolito sneaks in, but... These three are great, and if you can get one of them at the beginning of the second round in a snake format, that's a hell of a strategy. How about this strategy? Give me Cole and DeGrom at the at the the twelve <laughs> swing, right? Oh, uh, I'll I'll be contrarian all day long with something like that. Yeah. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk about uh, about the pitching. Okay, we mentioned three three started pitches. You, you threw out uh, Giolito as well. Um, uh, overall, starting pitching is down. Overall, it can't be counted on. Now, it's a bright future. We got Mackenzie Gore maybe coming up. We got Sixo Sanchez coming up. I want to throw out a couple of names at you that I think are being massively underrated because of the, the discrepancy here. Aaron Nola. I think he's got a Cy Young in his future. Maybe not this year, but he's got a Cy Young in his future. This is another guy. I have him inside my top five pitchers. I got Cole DeGrom, Bieber, maybe Sneak Giolito. I, I got Aaron Nola right there. You're looking at Nola falling to the third round in many drafts. He's maybe going into the fourth round in many drafts. If you told me tomorrow my team is going to be the ace is going to be Aaron Nola, I'm smiling all day. Yeah, you know, Nola, it fetches a $9,200 price at uh, FanDuel. And that that is an evolution where that is uh, you, you, their, their eyes are open at FanDuel on, on the Nola. He's sneaking into the conversation and he's being bid up appropriately. That's a good price on him. And... 
on a given night, you might find him outperforming an $11,000 pitcher. So there's potential there to get a $2,000 savings for the rest of your lineup in a daily fantasy sports format. In your year-long leagues, Noel is a, is a great guy that if you've been playing with him in a dynasty league, you're just getting this the rise, and it's going up for you, and it's a good story. Let's talk about two guys that, uh, if we were talking about this about, let's even say three years ago, right? Let's even say three years ago, if we were talking about this, they would be number one, too, right? I, I mean, DeGrom would have snuck in there, but they would have been one, too, and I'm talking Scherzer and Kershaw. Both of them were aging veterans. Both of them had uh, you know, sparks over the last couple of years. Kershaw looked really good last year. I worry about injuries. I worry about innings limits. But I still think the ratios are going to be good. If I'm in a head-to-head league, I'm targeting both Scherzer and Kershaw. If I'm in a roto league where I got to kind of need the innings, I probably am not. And at Daily Fantasy, I think they're a little underrated. Give me Kershaw. Give me Scherzer in specific leagues. What do you take on the old guys? The problem with, I'm going to add a third name to that list. I'm paying attention to velocity this spring. There are three noticeable guys who've dropped. Third name in there is Mike Miner. Scherzer's average is at 92 this spring, and Kershaw is at 88. And you can give me a press release from the Dodger manager who... There's not a guy who gives worse press releases than than him in terms of telling you what you need to know as a baseball fan. So when you tell me that Kershaw is only dialing it up to 88 and you're not worried as the manager because this is the this is the drill and this is how we do it. No, it's not. When the games are live and the competition is there, you got to show in one of those innings and Kershaw hasn't shown it yet. So I'm concerned with velocity also a little bit on Mike Miner. I'm concerned about Scherzer and again Scherzer's swinging strike percentage took a precipitous drop last summer and it's noticeable and you saw it in the strikeout rates so again you look for confirmation from first stats if you get a stat where the k per nine is dropping you look for confirmation if you see that exit velocity uh, increase that the hitters are hitting off of him and you see the swinging strike percentage go down the stuff is not as elite it's not playing as well the deception isn't working and you see that with, uh, at least with Scherzer. So he he appropriately, I think, comes out of the first round. And that's something to say because uh, two years ago, he was you were taking him uh, without a doubt. Him and Verlander, you were taking both of them in round one without a doubt. Yeah, you know, I, I will definitely steer clear of, of Scherzer. Um, I think he relies on that fastball. At Kershaw at 88 could probably win games, especially with the Dodgers. And again, it depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for uh, Kershaw to stay under three ERA, yeah, sure, he's staying under three. You're looking for Kershaw to win uh, 15 games, yeah, probably going to win 15 games. You're looking for Kershaw to make 180 innings start, it's not happening. You're looking for Kershaw to strike out, you know, 225, that ain't happening. So you have to kind of change your perception of the guys. I'm not saying don't draft Kershaw because I certainly will. But I also understand what my realistic expectations of a guy like Kershaw is. I understand my realistic expectations now of a Scherzer. I don't think they're aces. I think they're number twos on a fantasy team. All right, after this, we're going to come back, tell you who to target and who to avoid in this year's fantasy. Back right after this. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, we're sitting around talking about odds. Let's go to the World Series, shall we? The L.A. Dodgers, they are sitting at about 3-1. to one. I say about because different sports books, it varies a little bit. The Dodgers are 3-1. to one. Yankees, 6-1. to one. San Diego Padres, 7.5-1. to one. The White Sox are 9-1. to one. The Mets, 10-1. to one. Atlanta Braves, 10-1. to one. Toronto Blue Jays, 20-1. to one. Minnesota and St. Louis, as well as Houston, all 22-1 to one odds. Oakland and Tampa, both 28-1. to one. Nationals, 30 to 1, Cincinnati 40 to 1, Boston 45, Cleveland 45, LA Angels 45, Cubs, Brewers, Phillies all 50 to 1, Giants, Marlins 80 to 1, the Mariners, Royals, D-backs, Orioles, Tigers, Rangers, Rockies and Pirates are all more than 100 to 1 odds to win the World Series and that is what are the odds. Sitting in with Chuck T, our Rotomill fantasy expert, we are talking everything in the world of fantasy, leagues, daily fantasy, drafts, everything. And now it comes time to really just crawl around into Chuck's brain and let's find out what you got going on. Chuck, 
looking at uh, this year, I, I think it's going to be a really tough way for everyone to evaluate, right? I mean, this is a year where you have so many variables and you're not really sure where to go with some stuff. So tell me, who do you target? Who are you underrating? Who is the world underrating? And Chuck's going, oh, oh, you forgot about that guy. There is a, in the analyst community, you're reading a lot about throw that out from 2020. There's a lot of uh, desire to ignore what you saw on the field and maybe you shouldn't. There were players that had their velocity was up last year. John Means with Baltimore is a great example of this. This guy was throwing two miles an hour faster last year, but he only had nine weeks to show it to you. So it hasn't sunk in. And these are the opportunities and this is where you're going to find the things that that were they were out there in the Sabre metrics, but you didn't get to see it play out in the more traditional statistics. And this is why the Sabre metric guys always have the advantage because when you when you actually see these things like velocities and swinging strikes and things of this nature, you get this terrific opportunity. You cannot you cannot not pay attention to what happened to Luis Robert in September. He was hideous, pitiful, struck out nearly one out of every two and a half at bats in September. That's something that you have to pay attention to. You can't get too high on Randy or Rosarena. That was the greatest postseason of all time. And unfortunately, it's more like a trivial question because this guy was never a top 10 prospect with any of the organizations he played with. St. Louis, Tampa Bay, he never even cracks the top 10 prospect list of either of those organizations, but he gets hot in September. So this this notion to throw out what you saw, it is somewhat there and has some relevance, but don't ignore what you saw either. And that, that plays a big role with guys like a Rosarena. You don't want to get too high. We're seeing him go for $3,700 for next Thursday's starting games at FanDuel. That's insanity to bid that. This is a player with one walk and 10 strikeouts this spring. This is a player hitting 241. This is a player with an OPS at 500. At 500. You add that slugging percentage and that on-base percentage and you come up with 500. He has not been a force this spring. These were things that we were looking for, things that we were expecting, and we're seeing it happen. Yeah, you know, overall, when you really, uh, you say throw some stuff out, I love to say, uh, give me a career track record. I'm a huge guy, same with you. I like minor leaguers. I like young guys this year. I'm going all old because I know what I'm getting from them. I mentioned earlier in the show, Garrett Cole gave up a bunch of home runs early on in his year. It didn't look so good right away. Go look at every single one of Garrett Cole's Aprils and even into May. Every year of his career, it's just he's got a much longer season to correct it. Well, he's going to have it this year. So there is some of that. So I know you mentioned uh, a Rosarina overrated, overvalued on Daily Fantasy. Who are some undervalued guys? Undervalued for sure. Uh, Again, players like Means pitchers that are definitely not carrying a high value. There are some Rule 5 draft picks that are going to make the show. They have to, because if they don't make the team, they have to be traded back to the organization that they were taken from. So you get a, a, you get a player like Akil Badu from, um, from Minnesota, stolen in the Rule 5 draft by Detroit. What does Detroit have to lose? The worst offense in the American League last year. A speedster. Every scouting report you read about the guy, they mention the word toolsy. I love Toolsy. Uh, tool, a Toolsy guy is uh, Remel Tapia in uh, in Colorado. I love Toolsy. Why? Because I can get I can pad my stolen bases. I can I love to pad categories that I don't have to give up. In other words, if I have a second half player that's batting average is two hundred, it hurts my team batting average on the season. But a stolen base I got in April is in my total for the whole season. It stays forever. So I when I can get some stolen bases and some saves which I love to target those two. I love to find some staves. Uh, Amir Garrett, totally undervalued. This guy has faced six batters this spring. He has struck all six out. Uh, I mean, he has just come in and been lights out. There's nobody standing in the way in terms of job competition. This is a guy, you know, one-third of the relievers that are been handed the closer job on April 1st. One-third of them don't have the job on May 1st. It's been it's predictable as setting your clock. There's a turnover of a third at that one position. So if you have a guy that you know is going to be getting you saves in April, I go with that guy. Jordan Hicks, 100-mile-per-hour thrower, opted out of COVID because he's a type 1 diabetic. Okay, So he it was, it was, it was his personal decision to come to, to leave. He had his elbow to, that had been Tommy John surgery. But this is a guy who threw 103 miles per hour when he was last healthy. Now he's back, and you saw that at bat. 
the Mets uh, game. It went 22 pitches, and they took him out. Strict pitch count. You don't take a guy off Tommy John surgery and give him saves and expect him to pitch on three consecutive days. It doesn't happen. So you go for Giovanni Gallegos. There's your saves in April. They're going to go to Gallegos. They're not going to go to uh, uh, Jordan Hicks. So, again, I look for those stats that are that – are, that it's like picking the easy fruit. And you can get the easy fruit in stolen bases comes from Rule 5 picks. It comes from players that are handed a pinch running, pinch running opportunities early in the season – Saves at $2,000 on FanDuel to get a player like Badu, Rule 5 player. I loved undervalued situations like that. You know, uh, let me throw a couple of undervalued at you here. Uh, undervalued, I, I'm, I'm just loving uh, Starling Marte. $3,000 for Starling Marte? Middle of that Miami lineup? I think Miami's going to be good. Another guy I like. I loved him before. Uh, last year, I love him. Last year, I love him again this year. And he's still undervalued. Jake Cronenworth, $2,600. It is just a guy, oh, well, he's going to lose position. No, he's not. He plays first. He plays second. He plays third. Uh, Kim hasn't looked good this spring. Like you said, Cronenworth is crushing it, hitting over 300. He's like 380 or something like that. I I don't put a lot into spring numbers, but all we've seen is Cronenworth hit and hit and hit and hit and hit. Oh, by the way, he also pitches. Now, I don't think he's going to get many innings, okay? Um, But, hey. You know what? You never know with this San Diego team, who we just talked about, might need an inning or two here or there. A couple of those guys. You mentioned young guys coming up, and I know you mentioned some closers out there. I want to talk to you about the old closers. Kimbrell. I know he hasn't looked good. Last year he didn't look good, but then all of a sudden he finished the year off strong. He didn't look good this spring. But he's a well-paid closer who has a job that is secure, Rowan Wick is behind him. If you don't know who Rowan Wick is, join the rest of us. And he's injured. Okay, he's actually hurt this spring. Craig Kimbrell is, no one wants him. And I'm going, I think, I, you might get a 6 ERA, but you're going to get 20 saves. He hit 98 miles per hour two days ago, too. So when I when I see a guy that is moving towards the regular season and he's getting back to his elite velocity, I love that. The arm is strong. That's a good pick. What about Kenley? Going to be a lot of save opportunities because it's the Dodgers. Kenley Jansen was removed two postseasons in a row now. They have massive amounts of people behind him. And, uh, you know, I know everyone's going to look at Bruzar, right? Uh, Blake Trina is probably the guy that's going to jump in there. You even look at, they even went out and got Tommy Kenley for the second half of the season expecting maybe him. I like Jansen. Jansen's been on every fantasy team since he entered the majors that I've had. This is the first year I'm about ready to cup eight. Yeah, it's a good it's a good spot, slot to do it. Deeper team than ever before. You know, they also added a, a reclamation project there in, with the Dodgers. They took an old starting pitcher from Milwaukee from years ago, and he's had a great spring. And again, we're uh, uh, you know. We're, we're talking about a team with unlimited resources. They can always throw money at the problem. And so, you know, you got to view Jansen if the performance isn't there. I have two infielders that I really like and are going at a terrific price. The Keston Hiura played second base last year, and they're moving him to first. The market has completely overreacted to this. This is a guy that's going for $3,100 for next week's opening day contests on FanDuel. And... In Castaneda, I have a player who put up as a rookie a 920 OPS. Again, this might be a guy where the strategy of throwing out the 2020 stats just might be, uh, a, if he goes back to that 920 OPS, my goodness, that's a great price at 3100. Alec Bohm hit 340 for Philadelphia. He's going for 2900. dollars I put him in my in my game for for, for Thursday. I entered the uh, fifty thousand dollar contest at FanDuel and. For my $9 entry, I can get a $2,900, 340 hitting third baseman. He was, the, I think, the most overlooked player of 2020, and definitely it's going into 2021, remains undervalued. How about some stayaways? So who are some guys you're just going, you know, I'm I just not going anywhere near that price. I, I'll throw out a couple for me. Um, you know, when you just look at the overall uh, product, I'm staying far away from Tatis with that injury. I just w- will not pay for him. I'm still not sure Alec Bregman is fully healthy. I'm staying away from him and most of that Houston team. Um, uh, George Springer now going to Toronto, kind of staying away from him, although I love the entire Toronto team because uh, that's a tiny ballpark. But generally, I'm staying away from those guys. Springer has a type 2 abdominal strain. It's a very serious concern. It When you get to grade 2 on strains, you start 
get looking at very real loss of playing time if if this thing worsens and if the recovery isn't perfect. Now, what's in the press release is that he'll he'll rest for four to five days. That typically doesn't address the situation. And I'm also concerned with Trent Grissom for the same reason. He's got a grade one strain of his hamstring. This is not a great athlete. This is not a guy that takes care of it conditioning-wise. He's a little bit soft around the midsection. This is not a guy that hits me as uh, a a tooled-up athlete like Luis Robert is, okay? I get very concerned when I see a hamstring injury like that. And, of course, how do you ignore a, a hairline stress fracture for Zach Gallen? That is a major concern. Zach Gallen in a... With no injury is a third-round pick, I think, solidly, okay? Would you even take him in round five? No, I'm staying away. I'm staying away. Because he's also on Arizona who might go, oh, wait, he's the future of our team, right? Uh, Yeah, sit down. We're we're a last-place team anywhere, second-to-last-place team. Yeah, sit down. Uh, I'm going to hit on something here with about two minutes to go. I know you love it. Torkelson, Gore, Joe Adele, Madrigal. I expect them all up this year. Even Torque at the end of the year, I expect them all up this year. I think they're getting uh, a, a little bit of a bad rap. Gore, people going, ah, they're not going to use him. Give me a half a season of Gore. Madrigal, I think he's going to be up after uh, probably probably after the first month. Uh, Torkelson probably will give you a nice little summer. Um, and then Joe Adele, who, oh, he was terribly about about 200. I think he's going to be up also. There's no way they're going foul for the rest full year. You, same team. You can't forget that in 2011, Mike Trout came up and spit the bit. It did nothing. Joe Adele had the same thing happen to him, but Joe Adele was age 20 last year when he was called up. And we made all this big to-do about Bobby Witt Jr. this spring. Okay, Bobby Witt Jr. was a 19-year-old high school senior, which means he's 20 now, okay? Same age as Joe Adele. He got sent down to low class. Bobby Witt's not seeing the majors this year. No, I say that too because I don't see, I just don't see the timeline and I don't see why you ruin that when you've got a terrific terrific situation in Kansas City. They've drafted some great college arms. They are they're they're making the right offers to the players to get people signed past their arbitration eligibility. It's just a smart strategy. Why ruin that with Bobby Witt? But Getting back to um, what I saw from Joe Adele this spring, very underrated, six walks, six strikeouts, okay? The plate discipline looks like he was thinking about it all offseason. You could see it. It was on his focus coming to camp. I, I He misplayed some balls really badly last year in the outfield. I didn't get a chance to see him fielding. But when I look at a stat line and I see walks are equal to strikeouts, I got a guy who's paying attention, and I like that. And you, that's the last piece that has to come together because, again, his whiff rate was 40%. That was terrible. Remember, I say this in football all the time. It's not terrible to take a guy that you want for half a year or a guy that's going to miss a little bit of time if it's not going to linger because you're not just putting an empty spot. You're not getting blank numbers. You're going to be able to go pick up, you know, whoever, whatever random waiver guy just to fill in the gap. So add the waiver guy's numbers to who you think might be a Gore and Adele or Torkelson, a Madrigal, uh, or, or, you know, even if you like Zach Gowney, you think he's going to bounce back. You're not getting a zero out of them. So it's okay to grab a guy really late that you think is going to have a really good half a season. I know we're talking fantasy, but I love future bets. You guys know I do. I love my future bets. So let's take a look at one of them and let's bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet Bet to the future. future. All right, bet to the future. Guys, we're looking at the AL Central. Odds to win the AL Central. The White Sox are about minus 125 or so. Twins plus 150. Indians are 8.5 to 1. The Tigers, you want to take a long shot, 33 to 1. And the Royals, who I actually think is a better shot than the Tigers, at 40 to 1. That is the odds to win the AL Central, and that is bet to the future. Well, now... My next guest, he knows a little something about the AL Central. Because we were talking last week off the air, man. I, and a week, I could just, I could have just talked to him for six, seven hours. He is a three-time All Star. He is a two-time Silver Slugger. He is in the Cleveland Indians Hall of Fame. He is Carlos Baerga. Carlos, welcome to the show. How you doing, guys? It's an honor. It's a pleasure to be with you guys and everybody that's right now listening to you to your show. Carlos, speaking of listening, you know, besides. Uh, the baseball career, obviously, you have to have something afterwards. I love listening to you. Where can everybody listen to you? <laughs> well, you can listen to me. I have a, a podcast that, that I do every night. Uh, uh, we do it at 9 o'clock uh, 
myself and another another ex baseball player. He don't play in the big leagues. He played in the minor leagues. But his father used to be a major league baseball player. He was he used to be the name is uh, Jose Santiago. They call him Palillo. That was the first pitcher that hit a, a home run in a World Series. You remember that series against the Boston and Cincinnati? He hit a homer. So his uh, his son. What we mean in that, and the name of the, of the of the show that we do is Me Gustan Los Deportes. Me Gustan Los Deportes. I love sports. That's the name of, of the of the uh, of the show that we do, and you can listen you can listen to that and watch it on on YouTube or Facebook. You can go in there and I watch it every night, and, and you're gonna love it. Last night, you know who we have? Bob Abreu. Oh. We got Bob Abreu last night. The night before, we got Placido Placido Polanco. Uh, you know, every night we have somebody different. All players, uh, players that play right now, we might have tonight Peralta, the right fielder uh, for the, um, the left fielder for the Arizona Diamondbacks. So every night we have somebody uh, with us in the show, and it's been really good. Carlos, uh, you have a unique perspective on one of the offseason's number one Storylines, and that is Francisco Lindor, obviously going to the New York Mets. Francisco Lindor from the Cleveland Indians, as absolute superstar, goes to the New York Mets. Reminds me a little bit of a Carlos Baerga, right? Uh, so you have a unique perspective on this situation. I want you to weigh in. Talk to me about Lindor moving over the Cleveland fan base. You know, what do you tell them when they lose a guy like Lindor? The New York Mets fan base. What should they be thinking when they're getting a guy like Lindor? That trade remind me when I got trade from the Cleveland Indians, you know, to the New York Mets. But you know what, Lindor is a he was the face of the Cleveland Indians, the face of Cleveland. Because you remember when LeBron James left from Cleveland, it was nobody to be on top of that. And Lindor became the you know the face of Cleveland. But you know what? This guy is a great player, not just in the field, off the field. You know, his attitude every day is to play the game, to enjoy the game, to bring the smile. And you know what? He loves the fans. He loves to be around the fans. And right now, the New York Mets, they're having one of the best players in baseball, you know, in, in, in shortstop. And she's doing unbelievable in spring training. What about the idea that the New York Mets have not signed him to a long-term contract, Carlos? Uh, you know, everybody expects him to come over here. Here we go. You know what? He's going to be the face of the Mets. Uh, he's got the smile. He's got the defense. He's got the personality. He's got the offense. I mean, this is this is the face of the New York Mets right now. We love DeGrom, but uh, usually it's not going to be a, a starting pitcher. And all of a sudden, the guy with deep pockets, he just – He's not going into them. He's not giving Lindor the money as quickly as Met fans wanted. I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to do it. But you know what? He's going to take time. You know, he's a, he's a negotiator. That's why you, when you when you have a business, like the one that the Mr. Cohen have, you know, he don't give up right away. So he's going to be pushing and pushing. But I know in the, uh, on the last run, uh, Francisco Lindor is going to be a New York Mets. I don't think he make a trade like that big to let him go, especially when he just buy a new team. And he want to show everybody, I come here to win. I come here to, to change the history of the New York Mets. And I believe that, that Francisco Lindor is going to be there for a lot of years. Uh, I talked to him this morning, uh, and uh, uh, he loved it. He loved the team. He loved the teammates. He loved the fans. He loves what he's doing. You know, and, uh, and uh, he's having fun. He's having fun. Francisco is a guy that, you know, he loves where he played. He loves to be the, with the fans. I know he missing Cleveland, but you know what? He knows that this is a business, and he knows that he's ready to play the game, to enjoy the game. And I like something that he said a couple of days ago: "I am the best shortstop in the game." He don't be, he don't try to be khaki. He just try to let everybody know. Just check my numbers. I've been doing it for the last five years, so I am ready to keep doing it. I still jump. I respect the game. I, re- I I prepare myself better than anybody. That's why I am the best. Carlos, when you went from Cleveland to New York, um, it is perceived that, you know what, it wasn't the easiest of adjustments. A lot of people 
believe that coming anywhere from New York, you have tough adjustments. They usually mention the Yankees, but the Mets uh, hold a lot. Now, all of a sudden, Lindor comes here for a struggling offense, but a team that people love. Look, they're one of the top three teams on the betting line in the National League to win the World Series, to get to the World Series. I mean, you're in a division, I'm sorry, a a league with, you look at the Dodgers, you look at the Padres, you're in a division with Washington, Philly, uh, the Braves who are good, but everyone loves the Mets. That added pressure How can Lindor kind of cope with that? And how much different is it from playing in Cleveland than playing in New York? You know, it's a a bit different. I I said to him, this is a a situation that, you know what, what I think is going to help him this year, still the press kind of go inside the clubhouse. Still, you know, there's not going to be that many fans in there. So they're going to let you know, you know, stuff like that. But I believe Francisco Lindor is is born like this. You know, he, he, he likes... Uh, uh, when this come, you know, when the World Series come, playoff come, when the top time come, he always, you know, go over that, and uh, he, he he can show everybody the kind of player he is. I think, you know, these guys, he's prepared, you know, for New York, and uh, he's, uh, I think he bonds, you know, for a for a event like this. You know, I, I think he's gonna love it. He's gonna be, he's gonna be good. He's gonna be okay, and he's gonna have fun. You know, right now, spring training. You know all the things that he's doing every day. You know, he's doing commercials. He's doing, you know, the, 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 with the foundation. He just built a new uh, school over there where he lives in, in Orlando. You know, he's keep doing that stuff. But you know what? He don't forget that he has to work. He has to prepare himself, you know, to play baseball. And he's enjoying it, man. He having fun. He loves the teammates that he has. And uh, you know what? I believe that Francisco Lindor is going to have a great year with the New York Mets. They need to sign him. They need to keep him here because you know what? If it's not the, if they win this year, is that you Francisco Lindor sign with the New York Mets? Now the free agent players want to play around him because he's a winner. That's the key right there. Yeah, I I, yeah, I completely agree. I see Mets fans out here. And they are very nervous. They're very uh, worried about, you know, when is he going to get signed? And and we got to win this year. And we got to win this year. You know, that's all you keep hearing. And we got to win this year. And I'm going, look, you know what? If you're going to sign Lindor, this is a long-term build. Uh, you know, you have to understand that that you guy's not going to come in and just automatically win. I know that the Mets have a good roster. I know they have Jacob DeGrom, right? I get what they're putting together, but they're also in a very tough division. I'll tell you something about Jacob DeGrom. Oh, by the way, look, is he the best pitcher in baseball? Yeah, he probably is. But, you know, Carlos, he's also on the other side of 30. How much time does he have? So I understand the Mets saying, I know we want to win right now because we want to save DeGrom. You know, we don't want the the, the big build. Is there a chance that the Mets go, you know what, we, we just have to win during DeGrom's next two or three years? Well, that's going to be a tough decision, you know, To and I know what you're thinking about because I don't think – I think he has one more year of his contract. So next, next year, after next year – they need to do something on him, and I know that he's been the best pitcher in the last three years. But the question right now for the New York Mets is going to be Carlos Correa and Syndergaard. If those two guys came in in May or June, I believe the New York Mets have one of the best rotations in the Major League Baseball. So I think they can do it. If they don't come in at that time, they're going to have a tough time. So that's that's the way I think. That's the way you know I, I see it, and that's the way I, I analyze you know the uh, you know the New York Mets right now. So I believe the New York Mets Syndergaard has to come in to be the Syndergaard that everybody knows that he can be, and Carlos Carrasco he needs to be healthy. Yeah, it's all about the health and it's all about the pitching. All right, let's take a quick timeout. We'll be back right after this with more Carlos Baerga. We're talking with Carlos Baerga, three-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger, Cleveland Indians Hall of Famer, also played with the New York Mets. We're talking a little bit about Francisco Lindor and how it is to move over. Carlos, I want to ask you about the Indians side, though. And, Carlos, you know, you did it. You left a very good Indians team. This is a different Indians team, though. They have a Cy Young Award candidate in Justin Bieber there. Yeah, I called him Justin. And they also have an MVP candidate and Ramirez there. What do you say to this Cleveland fan base going, look, you got two superior players. You got a good, very good starting rotation, a really good bullpen. But getting rid of Lindor, 
it's kind of like, you know what, we're not trying this year. No, well, you know what, I, I have to say something that I've been watching, because remember, I work for the Cleveland Indians, and I've been watching spring training games, and you know what, the trade that we make for Jimenez, for Lindor, I believe, I think that's a good player that we have to Anabia. We are very happy, you know, to see him, the way he played, the way he felt, the way he prepared himself, and uh, he's being everybody loving his attitude, you know, and and, uh, and I believe that, you know, we, we, we I don't say that he's going to be Francisco Lindor because Francisco Lindor is a special player, but I believe we have a great player on him, and now he need to, Lindor was a leader, even when he came in, you know, to the village, he was a leader in there, uh, but I believe it, it's good. Rosario, everybody knows that Rosario can play the game, now Rosario is going to be putting in center field. Um, we know the first game wasn't good. We went through a tough time. But you know what? When you try something new, you're going to go through a slump. You're going to go through, you know, to different kind of uh, uh, situations. But I believe that we're going to be okay. The Cleveland are going to be okay. Uh, this is a, uh, a different uh, team. Now without Francisco Lindor and without Carlos Carrasco, it's been one or two, you know, Beaver and Carrasco was the two guys in there. Remember that we don't have Clover anymore. Now we, we still have uh, uh, we we have Allen, we got Sebali, but it's not the same. These two guys, they need to keep learning a little bit. I think that we're going to go through a tough time. Remember, that's a good division, too. Chicago White Sox, they have a great team. Kansas City improves themselves, too. Even everybody, even Detroit. So I think it's going to be a, a, a good time. We still have good hitting. You know, we got Framir Reyes. We got a Hernandez in second base. Uh, we got one of the best catchers in the game, stuff like that. So he can call a, a, call a great game. But I think we're going to have a tough time this year. Yeah, White Sox are the favorites to win that division at minus 125. Indians all the way plus 850, if you believe that they could win that division. Let's move over and talk about the San Diego Padres. It seems like a, they're the buzz team, right? Everybody loves them. I thought the Tatis contract was insane, okay? I, I thought that was a crazy contract. But, look, this is a really good young team, and they have a really good minor league system. And everyone's looking at San Diego and going, yeah, slam Diego. They could win now. And I'm going, man, this, this is a team that could be good for 10 years. But I think... I think this year they were a little overrated. I worry about the innings after having last year off. You Darvish doesn't pitch a lot of innings. You're not going to get 200 out of him. You're not going to get 200 out of Blake Snell. They're young guys, guys like Gore and what. You're not going to get 200 innings. I think once they get into the playoffs, if they get into the playoffs, as dangerous as everybody. But I worry about people overrating them during the year with their pitching, their injuries, and their youngsters. Hey, that's a good question that, that you know everybody looking at right now. I know I don't like their bullpen. Their bullpen is not you know the the starting rotation is one of the best. I believe the Dodgers have the best starting rotation. The San Diego Padres have the second one best in there, but I think their bullpen is not the same. You remember that last year they have Rosenthal. They, they, he have a great ERA. He finished really good. They're helping a lot. Now they don't know who's going to be the closer. So, and they, they lost, uh, I, I, don't, I think it was a Colombian pitcher. I can't remember his name. That was really good too. So, uh, the question with the San Diego Padres is going to be the pitching. And another thing, I don't know if you watched it yesterday, Fernando Tatis got hurt yesterday. He hurt his shoulder. He came out of the game, you know, and, uh, you know, that's a big situation. You know what's going to, what's, what's been happened to him in the last two years? It's been injuries. So if that starts like that, uh, it's going to be a lot of big questions about the San Diego Padres. Yeah, I, I got to worry about giving a, an injured player uh, that, that kind of contract. But you know what worries me more if I'm the Padres? It's the Dodgers, right? Let's talk about the Dodgers. Oh, they no. finally got over the hump, right? Here you go, World Series, and people are going, ah, it's a COVID series. Okay, no problem. Dodgers, here you go. Look at this stacked team. Look, I, I'm a Yankee guy, okay? <laughs> I've seen some stacked teams, yeah. but this is nearly mind-boggling. They could put together an all-star team out of their bench. Talk to me about how good the Dodgers are. Vegas set the line. Over 100 wins. I've seen 105 in some spots. I, I mean... I can't even bet the under because I know how good this team is going to be. Talk to me. How good are the Dodgers? This team is amazing. Uh, two days ago, I was analyzing, you know, the, the Dodgers, and I say, 
this team is a better team than what they used to have last year. Pitching, adding Bauer to the starting rotation. Now Bueller, that was number one pitcher last year, is number three now. Uriah is going to be starting. Now they're discussing who's going to be number fifth. They got Price. People forget about Price. One year off of Price, that means he's going to be healthy. He's going to be strong. He knows how to pitch. So now they're deciding if they want to put Price in the bullpen or not. And they have Dustin May. They can start or can be in the bullpen. They got Gosling. They can be in the bullpen, too, as they start. So they have, you know, they have seven different starters. They can win in the buildings. We are ERA because Dustin May last year got 251 ERA. Gosling got 231 ERA. Okay, when you go to the bullpen, they have the best bullpen in baseball. You have, you know, even Jensen, they have, it's been up and down the last two years. He do the job, too. And then they have a, a trainer. They have a, a liver from the Milwaukee Brewers. Two years ago, in 2018, he got 39 saves. They got experience in there. Gratero, that he can throw another year experience. This guy throw 99, 100 miles per hour. They got in there. They have, I say, they have better team right now. They got Joe Kelly, Ferguson. I think the Dodgers they're going to win again. I mean, they are the clear odds-on favorite, and they and they basically should be. Um, one last thing I want to ask you here. I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask somebody of your stature about Albert Pujols. The Angels, everyone talks about, you know, Mike Trout not getting into the playoffs. And, uh, look, uh, it's a travesty that we haven't been able to see Trout in the playoffs too much. But Pujols is now basically on his retirement tour. I know it's up in the air about that. And I look at Albert Pujols and I go, you know, I think he's going to go down in history as perennially underrated. He was he was right there. I mean, he was getting plenty of attention. He goes to the Angels, can't make the playoffs, and now he's getting up there in age, and he's perennial underrated. Talk to me about Albert Pujols this year, his mindset with maybe retirement looming, and, and what it was like for you when you kind of knew, all right, I'm kind of at the end of my rope here. I had a great career, but how does that end? I believe Pujols is going to be one of the best players of the game. I don't think uh, the best Latino player is Albert Pujols, so everybody knows that. The best Latino player of the all time. But you know what? Albert Pujols, if I'm the Angels, I'll let him play regular this year. I let him play for baby this year when he finish the career. You know, let him finish because you know what, he give everything to this game. He show up to the ballpark to play every day. You know, and this guy is a is a sample for a lot of players to have pride in what you do, to have pride, you know, how to prepare yourself, to have pride to put the numbers every day. And I believe, you know, that this guy is an amazing player. This guy is a, a, one of the best players I ever, I ever watched him play, you know, and stuff like that. And, and I believe we cannot forget about the numbers that he put up. Yeah, Albert Pujols uh, in basically his goodbye tour. And we're going to have to say goodbye to you, Carlos. Um, three-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger, Cleveland Indians Hall of Famer. But now, second half of your career, tell us again, where can they listen to you and where can they see you, what you're doing every single day? Every single day they can watch me and, 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 and we do the pop. Uh, every night at nine o'clock, we do the Me Gusta Los Deportes. That's the name of the of the of the show that we do. Uh, you can listen it, you know, in YouTube or you can go to Facebook. Me Gusta Los Deportes. That's the name of the of the thing. Of me and and Arnold Santiago. That's the name of the guy that we do. Uh, every night we have different players. We analyze uh, each team, you know, in the in Major League, and uh, you're gonna have a good time with us in there, you know, talking to a lot of the players about the history, about the glory, about everything they went through in their career and why they became a star. All right, thank you again. That is Carlos Baerga, everybody. You know, we're talking about the Angels, and they're one of the teams on my radar a little bit here. I, I kind of am worried about uh, – all right, let's be honest. I'm very worried about their starting pitching. Um, they are – basically an ace away from being a real threat. But I think that division is down. I never seem to believe in the A's. Seattle is up and coming, but they got some time. Texas is going to be a bad team. And with all the turnover in the starting rotation in Houston, I kind of worry about them, I guess, more than anybody. And here's the thing. Vegas agrees with me, right? And the lines makers out there, they agree with me. Plus 160 
is to the Angels to make the playoffs. Minus 200 if you don't believe that they will make the playoffs. So the division, you know, look, they're not the favorites to win the division. We understand that the Astros are there. But when you look at their totality of making the playoffs, that's all I want to see. I don't even care if we get a one-game play-in. Everybody refers to the Trout thing. And look, Mike Trout's uh, my favorite non-Yankee, okay? I love Mike Trout. Everybody looks at the Mike Trout situation and goes, well, it's a travesty. He doesn't make the playoffs. And you're right, it is. And we all want to see him. Best player and the best showcase. I want to see him in the playoffs. Absolutely. But how cool would it be to see Albert Pujols one last shot in the playoffs? If you're a sentimental baseball fan, if you're a sentimental sports fan, getting Mike Trout and Albert Pujols into the playoffs this year, it's good for the sport. It's good for all sports, really. I mean, this is fantastic. So that's something to think about. Again, thank you to Carlos Bayer. All right, everybody, so that's it. Look, baseball starts on Thursday. I cannot wait. Opening day is here. We had a shortened season. We're going to try to go for the 162 here. Expect some bumps along the way. But overall, I am pumped up about a baseball season. We're going to crown a champion. I love the young talent coming through. I like the old man storylines as well. I like them. I like everything. Thank you again to Chuck T. Thank you again to Carlos Baerga. I'm Tom Bart for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.